Welcome to the Coaching Dana Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Wyckoff. I'm also the founder of Kingdom Coaching, my consulting business in which I coach leaders. This is part two of my conversation with Matt Deggs. Matt is the baseball coach at University of Louisiana Lafayette. During part two of my conversation, Matt and I discuss boat teams, staff management, inspiring his athletes, and much, much more. Matt's energy is really contagious. His story is inspiring, and he is a great leader. So without further ado, my conversation with Matt Deggs. Okay, so you took over, um, Sam. Walk with me what it was, or, or maybe maybe riff a little bit on having taken over Sam. What did you learn from taking over Sam that you were able to maybe implement at uh, ULL? Like, how was that learning experience at Sam? You know, how did it progress you or help you um, transition well, better at Louisiana Lafayette? That's a good question, dude. Really good. I think the biggest thing that's helped me is the five years I spent as, as a head coach as a young guy mm. at Texarkana. Yeah. Because I learned how to do everything. Keep a budget, mow a field, <laughs> fix an injury with athletic tape, <laughs> build a <laughs> schedule, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, but then a lot, long time passes. I'm an assistant for a long time. And uh, just to kind of answer that, uh, you know, Sam, mid-majors are interesting because you're playing D1 baseball, but a lot of the stuff you do is like being a Divi- or a, being a JUCO head coach, hmm. right? But you've got the JUCO, you've got the D1 label on. So you still there's a lot to do uh, when it comes to fundraising and field maintenance. There's nobody going to take care of that. You're going to take care of that, right? Uh, and so I was able to, to, we raised a ton of money, uh, that, that was outstanding. Uh, we were able to, to really build on a beautiful stadium that's already there and closing the cages, putting 1.5 base and turf in, uh, it's really fixing up the clubhouse, just a ton of stuff. Uh, but we had great support and great backing, uh, unbelievable friends we made there. But I think to answer your question, coming back here, baseball, I've always been just so confident about, like, I don't, I don't think about it. Uh, it's the other stuff. And I think having been, you know, it's like one of my verses, uh, Genesis twenty eight fifteen. I will be with you and watch over you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I've done what I promised. And it was like, God brought us all the way back to this land. But what I've drawn off the most is the experience and time that I had with Coach Rowe mm. and his patience and some things that I might not have understood at the time, you know, 10 years before or however long it was, uh, I've started to see. And I think he was preparing me unbeknownst to us for what was to come, if that makes any sense at all. Dude, love that. So good. Uh, talk to me about staff. Um, what do your rhythms looks like? Are you a, hey, we're going to meet every Monday at nine. Are you a organic pop your head in? Hey, what do you got for practice? What do you think? And what, give me your picture of what staff development and leadership looks like. I'm the most fly by the seat of your pants slash organized person you've ever seen. That I know it's an oxymoron, right? Uh, I love organic stuff that just happens. 
but I'm also very detail oriented. And so we meet up every day at 10, uh, hash it out and, uh, talk, you know, from the day to, I try to stay day to day, uh, because baseball day to day. And so I don't like just because of weather and weather in South Louisiana can be volatile too. So it's hard. You can put Travis, a skeleton together a nice, and I do on a calendar. You're probably not going to stay in that. Just because of what, just whatnot. So I like to try to stay. We have a skeleton. Now let's stay day to day. Okay. Yesterday's over. Can't change it. We can learn from it. Tomorrow, we don't know. We got right now, let's be a bunch of 400 hitters today. So we've got now, we'll meet up at 10. Let's hash it out. We'll get our game plan together. We've uh, gone high tech around here, which I've really They've stretched me. These coaches have stretched me like I'm a dead gummy bear. Um, with I bet we hit seventy five to one hundred thousand dollars worth of technology this summer. Uh, my son is a is a computer engineer for Palo Alto Networks, largest cybersecurity firm in the world. So he's a computer genius. He's got us on Slack. He's got us work flowing through Notion. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm just so uncomfortable, right? Uh, but I'm learning. And uh, in fact, I got he got me uh, for my birthday uh, Air uh, MacBook Air, which so now I'm having to learn Apple. Uh, but to answer your question, so we'll get the plan together, get it into our Slack channels. Uh, of course, these coaches are always moving and shaking. And then, then after about an hour of talking practice, talking development, uh, recruiting camps, we'll break it out and and. Uh, I'll go work out at some point and then we'll, we'll, whatever we've got in the, in the, you know, afternoon, there's a lot of early work involved. We run what I call baseball school every day, uh, where we'll meet with the team for, it could be 10 minutes, Travis, it could be an hour and a half, uh, where we talk about life, talk about Jesus, talk about baseball, talk about bunt coverages, talk, you know, whatever it is. Hmm. And, uh, I, I think that's been the glue that's held our teams together the last several for a long time. It's just those daily interactions, you know, kids will get up and share and uh, just connection equals sacrifice. And the more you can create connectable opportunities, the further they'll go for each other. And how do you decide what you're going to talk about during baseball school? Is that a fly by the seat of your pants? Is that a thought as you're on a run? What Do you have a schedule mapped out? I always go in there with something. Uh, I'm big on the PowerPoints now, by the way. So I'll hit some PowerPoints. I'll always go in there with something. And I promise you 30 minutes later, it's <laughs> right. There, it's, somebody else is talking. It's nowhere close. But uh and I, but I think that's fun too. I think just see where the spirit takes you, man. Yeah. Let's see. And you know, we've we've got Bible studies on Wednesdays, and like I said, we go to church together. And I think the biggest part of our program uh, is is what I call our spiritual coach, and he's going to be the answer to your last question you're going to ask me at the end. Mm-hmm. His name's Josh Foliart, and. Uh, Josh played football at Arkansas. And so when I was at Arkansas, I was living in the darkness for a long time, you know, first year or two. And Josh was our, it wasn't FCA. It was like athletes outreach or something. He was in charge of that. 
And uh, he was just this bold dude, man. He kept coming around. I, I hated his guts for the longest. Me and Jorney were like, gosh, there's Josh. And, uh, man, he, he just wouldn't stop. And finally he got me. He's like, let's go eat some chicken. We went, I forget the name of the joint. And, uh, man, the spirit just hit me. And, and that guy helped save my life un, unknowingly because at the darkest moments, I was able to cling to the word of God, Josh taught me over two years span the Bible and I retained a lot of the verses and it helped save me. Uh, and so to this day, he's, he's one of my best buddies, like brother. And he's as close to a modern day Paul as I've ever, you could imagine. Like you can see it in his eyes, man. You know, when you look in somebody's eyes and it's like, this is different. Uh, he, uh, he runs a company, owns a company called Multiply. They've planted churches all over the world. Uh, he's uh, had a huge part in growing leaders. Uh, he's just the most dynamic guy I know, and he's probably the toughest guy I know. Uh, but we, Josh is on retainer with us. So <clears throat> in addition to our Bible studies church, nine times a year, Josh comes in from Fayetteville, Arkansas, and he spends a day or two with the team. And it's been unbelievable. And then after the first time he's with the team, now they've all got his cell number. They've all got his email. And so it's constant. Mm. And he's working in the trenches. And, you know, our postseason runs that we've made last two years, he's on the bus. He's in the dugout. I'm not talking to the team on the bus. He's talking to them. It's, uh, you know, because they've heard from me enough at that point. And, and uh it, he's been a difference maker. He's a game changer. Love it. Walk me through your daily rhythms of you know, an early morning guy. I'm always curious what, what people do to stay sharp. And yeah. I'm a 4.30, 5am guy. Uh, you know, when we moved here in the summer of 2019, we were in a real big hurry because it was late July, August. And I knew Lafayette is mostly private schools, but coming from Texas, we're public school people. And the one public school my kids wanted to go to, I had to find a house in that district. So we were in a hurry, man, and we wind up in a neighborhood, and it was great. But I, I never could just find my footing there. Because in Huntsville, man, you got a little land, and you're out in the country. and It was awesome. Uh, this wasn't the case. So anyway. Fast forward a couple of years, we're in that house three years. Well, I get an email one day from a doctor that says, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I want to buy your house. It, it wasn't for sale. And I thought, man, that's a God thing. And uh, sure enough, we went back and forth until the end of our season. And we sold her by owner. I'd never done it, but we figured it out our house. And uh, so then we went to some friends of ours who lived outside of town, way south, and they had four or five acres and a one acre pond. And we said, show us your house. Well, it's not for sale. We'll buy it. And so they sold us their house. So now I've got a stocked one acre pond. I'm on some land. And so if I'm not here early in the morning, I'm fishing. And then I come in. And then like today, when I'm done here, guess where I'll be? I'm going to be fishing. It's just been incredible. So, uh, you know, my thing's about hanging out with the family and um, I'm for as much talking and speaking as we do. I'm very, very uh, low key when it comes to 
when you turn it off. Mm-hmm. And so felt like God really blessed us with that little spot south of town. And, and uh, my youngest was able to stay in her high school and keep playing volleyball there. My middle, uh, my oldest daughter, Claire's a sophomore at LSU. And uh, she's in fashion merchandising and five mu sorority and real involved in her church. And of course, Kyler's working for Palo Alto. And so, uh, you know, Kathy's done a good job raising these kids, man. That's what I always say. And coaches' wives know when when they hear that, they know. Totally. Yep. Walk me through uh, leadership development in your program. Do you have captains? Do you have a leadership council? Is it a all the above? What do you do? We have, I've never done, I did seize on the jersey for the first time last year, but you had to earn it. It was a little bit different. So we run it. I've been since 1989, man. Uh, I have been following, I was following Navy SEALs before it was cool. And uh, 1989 is when I started really reading and studying. And they put, they just build the best teams and leaders and they're the most elite because nobody can make it through what they make it through. And then once they do, there's this brotherhood that just, they die for each other. Uh, and so our, our team's always split up into boat crews. And so you've got uh boat crew one, boat crew two or boat crew three, whatever it is. And then you've got, a coach that's generally over the boat crew. And then you've got a boat crew leader, a pitcher and a hitter. And then you've got swim buddies after that. And so, and then we compete all fall and everything uh, by boat crew. And uh, that's where the leaders emerge for us is, is through those situations. And uh, then I'll start teaching the leaders and uh, we do a lot of testing, Travis. So I'm going to, I'll meet with the, those guys and start training them to lead. And uh, I'll test them, teach them. I teach the team. Uh, you know, leadership for me is the ability to get guys to do what they don't think they can or don't want to do and not only do it, but excel at it and do it again. Uh, and then you can break it down a little further. It's, it's service, you know, rolling up your sleeves and leading from the front. All right. Uh, I think that is just an absolutely huge part of it is, is service and then clarity and organization, uh, motivation, inspiration, and, and probably last but most important is just being yourself. Uh, and then there's a lot of what, what does it take? Well, leadership is not a popularity contest. There's a lot of accountability and discipline. And, and to me, really good leadership requires confrontation. And, you know, Margaret Thatcher, one of my favorite quotes is consensus is an absence of leadership. And I think about some of the not so good teams that I've been around and and seen that. I've seen that, man, where guys will group up against whatever. And that's a, that's a vacuum. You know, there's a void there in leadership. Uh, the best teams I've seen, there's constant controversy, arguments, uh, because they're strong-willed dudes. But then there's always the one or two guys that they'll listen to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they're generally all hanging out. You may see this guy with this guy or that guy. It's like, uh, and so, you know, you're building leaders, but just as important, I think you've got to teach and build loyal followers because loyalty to me is that's your, that's your name, man. 
once that's broken, you're done. And and so you've got to, it's not a matter of liking it. You ain't got to like it. You just got to do it and excel at it. And so you, you're creating leaders, loyal followers. And then when you give them ownership, that is when things change because that's when the pride factor comes in. You know, if daddy just gives you a truck, you don't care if somebody keys it up or steals it because you know what? That's why you see kids burning tires. Why would you do a wheelie if you paid for that? You know, why are you? You didn't pay for that. But if you went out and got that and paid for it and taken care of it, now all of a sudden it's a different meaning. And so the sooner you can train them and transfer ownership, now you got pride. And then that's when guys start. That's when there's a different gear involved and, and uh, you know, they'll bleed for it. How many how many uh, players are in a boat crew? Just depends, you know, on the size of the team. If, let's say if I had a 45 roster, which we have a few times, then you'd just have three boat crews of 15. Okay. Uh, right now, it's a couple of boat crews of 20. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've had three boat crews before. We've had four. Uh, and you just got to go a little bit smaller. Uh, you just got to play it by ear. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing about the boat crew. So, and I think it's good because it gives these kids a focus. When I show up to school, the most important thing to me is my swim buddy. And then it's my boat crew. And then it's the team. And then it's my own personal stuff. How how do you, how do you do swim buddies? Like, do you guys put draw them out of a hat or no, you need to try to do that by position so that, so that, because look, if I want to have an organic, organic competition, all of a sudden out of practice, it's hard to do if your swim buddy's a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to try to get ideally Travis, it would be like our best player is Kyle DeBarge, right? He's going to be a good draft. He's a dog. Well, if I can, and these are shortstop. Well, if I can match him up as a swim buddy with, let's say, a freshman infielder, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Okay, you talk about your your offensive system. The I think you call it the pack. I'm not so much um, intrigued by specifically what it is. I'm intrigued by how you get people to buy into that thing, because they're like. My hunch is, this is just a hunch, that it could be the pack, it could be a pitching system, it could be something totally different. It's the getting to buy-in that is the sure. thing. How do you do that? Well, it, it, it's, it's been hard at times, but once you're entrenched and established and your culture is up and running, it's already into the kid before he ever shows up here. He already understands it. That's why he's coming here. Uh, but then at times too, it's a tough teach and especially in today's age and generation, but you got to remember this, our whole bedrock of our program is John 15, 13. There's no greater honor than to sacrifice for a brother. And so that's our bedrock. What we live by is Matthew 19, 26 with man, this would be impossible with God. All things are possible. 
So you got to ask yourself, there's a Buffalo right there. How are we going to take down this Buffalo? It's not going to be one at a time. And that Buffalo can be a metaphor for your life or anything going on in your life, right? It's going to take all of us together. So would I rather be an individual that leads the league in hitting or part of a team that leads the league in hitting? Which would you rather? Well, I'd definitely rather be a part of a team because teams make the player. The one player is not going to make your team. You become a great player because of the play of guys around you on winning teams. That's the way it happens. Okay. And so when you can teach these guys and, and look, our job, make no mistake is 90% sales. You have to sell. Okay. But there's a little, there's three words we use around here. And when you can teach hitters, especially to rely on these three words and not rely on base hits, that's when you see players take off, and it's called the power of contribution. When I can contribute at small things that are relatively within my control, I can start putting deposits in the bank. So working a walk is contributing. Attempting to steal a base is contributing. Picking up trash in the dugout pre and post game and during game is contributing. Emptying trash cans is contributing, okay? Moving a runner, laying down a, a, a let's say I dragged a move, that's contributing. So I, I am not, and our teams are not reliant on results to gain confidence. Yeah. It's the other way around. We gain our confidence through pitching, defense, and the power of contribution. And then it spills into hitting, because if you try it, most guys got it backwards. They try to gain confidence through, I, I got to do this, this, and this offensively. <laughs> That's a sucker's bet, right? Because you don't know if you're going to hit. But if I can gain my confidence through contribution, playing rock-solid defense, okay, being a great teammate, bringing energy, it's like making little bitty $5 deposits, and you look up, all of a sudden you got $100. And, and so at the moment of truth, dude, when, when you're over – Three, oh for four with the game on the line. Maybe you've drawn a walk, been hit by a pitch, made a couple of plays. Relatively, maybe you got a bunt down inside of that oh for three or four. Our guys are still going to walk up there confident because they know they've contributed to our success. That's where people miss the boat in this anti-bunt day and age. <clears throat> Bunts are not about bunts. Bunts are about keeping dudes away from themselves. Bunts are about keeping guys confident. A hit and run is about keeping somebody confident. I part most of my job as an offensive coach and as a uh, you know a guy running the offense and coaching third and coaching hitters is to keep you away from you number one and to keep you confident. And I can do that without you knowing it. A lot of times. Move that runner, go slap high fives. Now everybody loves it, dude, yeah. right? That is a huge part to what we do. And the bunt, the people who say don't bunt, they miss that boat. It's all power contribution. You just contributed, son. It's good. So good. And it's not an at-bat. It's not an at-bat, man. Let you, hey, think about it this way. You lay down some, you lay down some bunts, right, which... I went back and did some averages. I think we averaged like 50 bunt hits a year and 100 stolen bases, okay, since the inception of the pack. 
think about this. Lay down some bunts and get caught stealing a bunch of times. What'd you save? That's a bunch of fewer at-bats you got. So now, what's the team batting average done? Hmm. It's all a perception a lot of times. You could be hitting 310, but you're not. Yeah. You're saving at-bats. Now, you got to have some house money to do that. Yep. What is so? It just goes. It goes way deep, man. Yeah, it's way deep. For sure. What is the most important thing you bring to the program every day? I'm gonna bring an energy and a passion that's contagious. You're gonna you're gonna feel my love of baseball and competition every day, and you'll you'll see a guy that you're gonna have to kill him. He ain't gonna quit. Never out of the fight. And that's our thing here. We win because we outlast people. We might not be the biggest, strongest, fastest, but we're really good at suffering, Travis. Okay. Okay. I end with three questions. The first one I always ask is, what are you currently reading and or listening to that, yes, keeping you sharp, helping you grow? I've got... That right there, the problem of pain, C.S. Lewis. I had a player give me that, so I started reading it. And then uh, I'm hooked on these Sean Ryan podcasts, to tell you the truth. Uh, Sean was a SEAL and and, uh, CIA guy, and he just has some crazy, interesting guests. Uh, I like Rob O'Neill. his podcast, guy that shot Bin Laden in the face three times. Uh, he's he kind of tells it like it is, and I like that. Uh, so my commute could be forty minutes; it could be an hour. So that's a you know that's a good time to you know listen to some of this stuff. Uh, that that's where I'm at right now on that stuff. I got so many people give me books, and you know how it goes. It's like I I collect. Folks, I haven't gotten to them, but there's some good ones. Yeah. Uh, second question. What advice would you give a young person just getting into the coaching profession? Uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and loyalty above all else. Mm. Let your actions do this, do the speaking. And uh, just be you. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Good. And the last one, uh, and you mentioned you mentioned Josh. Um, I'll give you an opportunity to mention anyone else. Who would you love to hear talk all things leadership? Josh Foliart, you'll thank me later. You will thank me later. Take that to the bank. All right, I'm 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 doing it. I dare you to get him on. Do it. Yep. I dare you to get him on. I'm in, Matt, dude. Um, so good. I I I'm yeah. Gonna- once upon a time, I, I I knew you when we would run into each other. Didn't know you well, obviously, and hear hear stories. When y'all were kicking our butt at Dallas Baptist, man. <laughs> That's Dan Dan Heefner, man. He's a he's a special he's a special he, dude. He's the best. I, I say he's the best. Pound for pound, he's the best. Yeah. That's my uh, opinion. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't disagree with you. But what you've done is is uh not only not only awesome and what 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 you put together, but also inspiring. So honestly. 
Um, there's, and I know you've had a book and I know people have, have heard the message, but dude, it is an inspiring message. And I get inspired just listening to you. There's a certain energy about you that just kind of propels people. And I felt propelled this morning. So thanks for your time. Thank you, man. It's good to see you again, Travis. Yeah, you too.